0: I'm one of the pastors here. Well, it's uh, good to be back, sort of. You know, I was on vacation for a couple of weeks. But I miss you guys, and um, um, it is good to be back here where there is actually some fresh air. Um, our series is uh, God's Amazing Promises. We been talking about the promises that the God of the universe made to you, make, make, makes to us, communicates to us about what our lives can be like or will be like as he involves himself in those kinds of things. And he made some great promises. Last week, Pastor Lynn talked about giving and um, the promises that God has that when we give, we can't outgive God, n- no matter what, whether it's acts of kindness or mercy or love. He gives back more than we could ever even even imagine. And today we're going to talk about heaven. Um, we're going to talk about the promise that Jesus made of heaven. Um, uh, Kurt and Yvette shared earlier this verse, No I has seen. No ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's pretty cool. So let's talk about that for a second. Let me pray. Can I just take a second and pray? God, I thank you for these moments we have now, and pray you use them. Um, Please, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus gave this great promise. Um, This is probably one of the more famous ones regarding our future. He says this, There are many rooms in my Father's house, I wouldn't tell you this unless it was true. I'm going there to prepare a place for each of you. That's a promise about our forever, okay? That there are many rooms in the house and kind of you imagine all of that. I don't know what you think about when you think about heaven, but actually my images of heaven, believe it or not, came from Saturday morning cartoons. That's where I got my whole attitude about heaven. And if you can remember Saturday morning Cartoons: This guy would be walking down the street, and a piano or an anvil would fall on his head. You know that? Just it would come slamming down, and all of a sudden they begin to float up to the sky. And there are always three things that were happening: three things. There were they had wings, they had a halo, and they had a what? A harp, right? A harp. Wings, halo, harp. Wings, halo, harp. That's what they always had in heaven. Or when you imagine heaven, you think of clouds, don't you? The, The all the puffy clouds. That are all around, and people just kind of walking around on, on tops of clouds. And I think, wow, that sounds boring to me, doesn't it? I mean, just spending all day long walking around on a white cloud. In fact, Far Side, Gary Larson on Far Side did a, did a cartoon about a guy just sitting there all by himself. And he was thinking in his in mind, I wish I'd brought a magazine. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? What are we going to do for forever? I mean, a long time in heaven. What are we going to do there? But Jesus made a promise about this. In fact, when this is done, this kind of lap around, this track called life is done, then what? Then what? I mean, what, what, what's it going to be like? It's kind of the great you know, unknown. What are we gonna, where are we going to be? Now, I, I'm, I'm really glad this is not all there is. I'm, I'm really glad this is not all there is in life. I mean, I love this place. I love the world. I really do. I really love this, this place. But it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, it honestly is not. It's not all it's really promised to be. I, you know, I went on vacation for a, a couple of weeks, and, and there are things I love to do. You know, I love family, and we spent time together with family. I love to cycle. I love to ride my bike, and where we go, there's lots of um road bike trails, and it's beautiful. And then there's fishing and family. You know, all that all those goes together. Well, fishing, there's no fish. You know, no fish. In fact, the people I would talk to in the shops, they would say, oh, man, you should have been here last week, you know, you should have been here last week. (laughs) And cycling, as far as cycling goes, the whole state of Oregon's on fire, so basically you walk outside the door and you can't breathe, you know, you can't breathe because of the smoke, you know, if you breathe out here, you die. And so we're stuck inside all of this, and you love your family, but stuck inside for several weeks with only your family. After a while, those that you love so much, you just want to what? Ask them to leave, you know? And so all of a sudden, this great, idyllic kind of a situation that we want, it just didn't turn out to be the way you want. If I want to understand heaven, and if we want to understand heaven, we have to understand a little bit more about the way things are supposed to be here. The way life is supposed to be here and the way it should have been here, if you really want to grasp what heaven's like. i got to get my head around that. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God made it. And every time God would make something as far as the creation goes, he would say it is what? It's good. It's good. It's, It's really good. It starts with God creating a universe, and he makes stars and galaxies, and it's perfect, and God creates this cool little planet, called earth and puts water and trees and, and bushes and animals. And theoretically, he put fish here, but I have yet to discover that. Obviously not. God chose this place. Of all the different places, he chose this place. And he created it, and it was good and right and it was awesome. And he would say, again, it is good. It's good. This is, this is the way I want it. Well, he created people, and people love God freely and perfectly and love each other freely and perfectly, and there were no games, no pretensions. When I say no mask, I'm not talking about these things we're wearing. We're talking about the little games we play, the masks we put up to hide ourselves from other people. That's the way God created it. That's the way God made it. God made us that way so I could be perfectly honest with you without any fear that you might not like me. And you could be perfectly open and transparent with me without any fear that I would not like or love you. Do you understand that kind of relationship that we could have? Because right now, we know how to play a whole mess of games, and this is important as we go on here. But sin comes in and screws it all up. Everything, everything collapsed, everything fell, and we put on masks, not these, but again, the way we live our lives. We don't forgive. We long to have deep relationships, but we can't because of fear and because of shame and because you might not like the way I am, and so we we, we have not the kind of connections that we would really, really want. We don't have that. And I don't care what your political persuasion is. We all agree this was a messed up place. We may not all agree on the, the fixes, and that's why we have different viewpoints on this one. But it's messed up, and it appears to me it's not getting a whole lot better. And not only did we fall, but creation fell. Okay? Creation The world is not the way it's supposed to be. Genesis talks about thorns and weeds and gophers and apparently you know, fish that completely disappeared from the face of the earth on this one. The Bible says this, really clear. For the creation was subjected to frustration. That means the created things even aren't the way they're supposed to be. The world now has a film of sin that's tainted every part on it. Just understand, the world fell the world fell, meaning that beautiful tree that you're looking at could have been better. That river could have been better. Those mountains, as awesome as they are, could have been better. I don't know how, but they could have been better because all creation is subject to frustration and futility. And, and, And it says this, we grow weary, even us, in our present bodies and we long to put on the heavenly bodies like new clothing. Even us, we're we're just broken physically. Physically, we're not what we should be. God created it good and said it's good, but it's now broken, snapped, not quite the same as it was. And then it begins to talk about heaven, and it doesn't talk about harps and clouds and wings and nothing to do and walking around with these long robes on. It says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Meaning God's going to do a recreation of this. Everyone always thinks that heaven is just up there, you know. We're going to float up there in the sky and sometimes live, you know, in that castle in the sky. Actually, the Bible doesn't say that. It says God's going to recreate the up, the heavens, when it talks about that, what it's saying, it's like about the stars and the universe and he's going to recreate the earth, a new heaven and a new earth. So by the way, we won't be spending forever in some kind of a lofty cloud land. We're going to be spending it forever in a recreation of this that was originally created good. A lot of people say, I don't want to leave the earth because I I think I I like this place. Good, because this is where we're going to be in a new recreation of what God had designed in the first place. So you don't have to worry about learning how to play the harp or whether how to keep your, your wings groomed correctly or how to keep your halo shining right. We're not going to have those things. That's a cartoon world. God is going to remake this place, and I believe it's going to be different, but the same, you know, like this, only better, with all the imperfections gone completely the world will be the way it was supposed to be, and you, guess what, will be the way you were supposed to be. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second, because to me, that's the great news about what God is going to do here. So what will it be like? It'll be better. It'll be this better. This only better. This only right. Correct. It's better. And I would love to know the details, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just love to know the details? You know, is there going to be fishing there? Is there going to be backpacking there? Can I work on my car? Can I do my woodworking, ESPN, skateboarding, chocolate? Will there be coffee there? Can I still read and study and all this kind of stuff? Will there be animals there? You know, dogs, yes, cats. <laughs> we don't know. And it's it's interesting to me that the... Bible is somewhat scarce in its description of the actual parts of it. The fullest description that God gives us in the Bible is found in the last book of the Bible, the very last book, and it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There was no longer any sea, okay, now hang on those of you that are into surfing, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, down out of heaven from God. Prepare as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And you all start thinking, I'm getting a little weirded out by this. You know? What does it mean there's no sea? You know? And why is there a big city coming, coming down? You know, what, is that, what is that all about? Understand it's in language that is to provide comfort and help to a person back in those days. In those days, it was like the Wild West, and the wilderness was a bad place. A lot of crazy animals out there and a lot of crazy people out there. And a sin- city symbolized what? Shelter, security, happiness, friends, people. So that's why a city comes down. Sea, ocean, symbolized insecurity and instability and distance. And that's why it says there will be, quote, no sea. It doesn't mean there's not going to be an ocean there, it just means that there will not be the distance between us. But there will be closeness and warmth and fellowship and connection. Kids ask questions about heaven all the time. Adults think it's too spiritual a place to ask questions. Kids always ask, well, can I have a skateboard there? You know, will my hamster be there? And all this kind of stuff. And I like kids' questions because if we're going to be having a new earth, then that opens up our thinking, doesn't it? I mean, will there be mountains I could climb? Will there be houses I can build, or computers I can play with, and I have no problem with technology in heaven, or hobbies, or shooting hoops, or going for long runs on the beach, my answer is if you want them there, they will be there. Only, what's our word? Better, better. Everything there will be the way it's supposed to be. Skate parks will be better, mountains to climb will be more challenging and more rewarding. If toys, they won't break. If fishing, I might finally catch something. But everything there will be, what's the word? Better. This, but better. Um, what will I be like? Eric Clapton um, did a song a long time ago, um, kind of different than he normally does. Did the song Tears in Heaven. I don't know if you remember that song. Tears in Heaven, yeah, if old people remember that one. And it was his, his his son died, and and boy, he's really broken up by the whole deal. And so he wrote this song, "Tears in Heaven," and he says this: "Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven?" Meaning, if I saw my son in heaven, would he would he know my name? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? And those are okay questions to ask, I think. The answer is yes and no. Yes, I'll know your name. No, it won't be the same. It'll be what? It'll be better. It will be better. Will we know each other? Yes, because the us that will remain will be the real us. And, and this is what is cool to me about the eternity. The new thing that we're going to be is better. I will be the way I'm supposed to be. The way I'm supposed to be will be better. The Bible says our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to life forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness. I'm broken but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness. I'm weak. They'll be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies. They'll be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. It will be new. It will be imperishable. It will be better. Um, I'm not the way right now I'm supposed to be. 60 plus years of life has scarred me and you, all of us, and I have learned to play games and put on masks and do little pretentious things, and I have my defenses and my oddities and my weirdnesses and those buttons somehow that if you push them right, I react and respond in not such a good way. And I try, and I try to overcome those things, but it doesn't always work so well. And that's why sometimes you'll say, I, I just don't feel like I really can get to know you. Or you could say that to another person, I can't really get to know the real you. And some of you that are, that are married, you're saying, I really would like to get to know the real you, but I can't. What's in the middle of that? What's wrong? What's wrong is we're still the natural. In heaven, that all goes away. Can you imagine? The closest you've ever been to a person, it's when you know them fully and who they really are. Heaven's going to be like that. We drop the masks. We drop the games. We drop the pretension. It all goes away because there's nothing there but perfect love. Love. And all that kind of stuff, it just frustrates us so much now because division between wives and husbands or brother and sister or moms and kids and, and all of that. It goes away. And I can love you the way you were supposed to be loved, and you can love me the way I was supposed to be loved. And you think that's the best. Because that's what relationships will be like. They'll be better. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't answer my question. What size will I be? You know, what shape will I be? What age will I come back? And all of a sudden you realize I'm not sure those things really matter so much anymore. I mean, I'm gonna come back 6'2, you know, I'll be six foot two. Instead of my current six foot one, but I'm going to come back to six foot two. You know, those kinds of things, we realize how silly, and we know that's silly. I don't know what I'm going to look like. I'll know I'll look like the real me. And I'll know that you will know me, and I will know you, and we'll know each other the way we're supposed to be known. Um, the real person will emerge, the imperishable will come, and the perishable's all gone. And all of the impatience and judgmentalism and pettiness is gone. All of our weirdnesses and our anxieties and our tempers and the hurts that made us hurt back, they're they're gone. They're gone. And you think, if I could have those kinds of friendships and the time to develop those friendships and the ability to love people and be loved back, that would be what? Heaven. And this is why we get that concept. Will we recognize each other? Of course we will. In, in your life group, we're going to be talking about a great thing that Jesus shares about how the disciples actually knew who Moses and Elijah were, even though they'd never see him. I don't think they had those name tags. Hello, my name is Moses. They just knew. We will know each other. You know, will I know my lost child? Will I know my mother, my baby lost? Of course we will. And there will people who I will love that I never had a chance to love here. People that never had an opportunity to. Um, We don't get along very well with some people here in heaven. You absolutely will. And finally, there's going to be closeness with God. And I heard a loud voice saying from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. The closeness you felt, maybe in a time of worship, maybe you're at Hume Lake and you felt just this really dynamic closeness with God. And you think i could do this a long time worship with god it'll be there they will be his people god himself will be with them be their god he'll wipe every tear from their eyes no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away this is all done this is all over with the old order is done we don't lose people we don't say goodbye we have forever with people And then it says this, He who was seated on the throne said, and I love this, I am making everything, what? New. When he makes it new, it's the way it's supposed to be. And the way you know in the back of your head, it probably should have been already. It's going to be closeness and connection with God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We mentioned Clapton's song, Tears in Heaven. Um, He also sings this. He says, he says I, I must be strong and carry on, you know, because I know I don't belong here in heaven. And that's really true. I know I don't belong here in heaven. And you think, you know, that's probably pretty true. Most of us just on our own don't belong on our own. I had a conversation with somebody um, a few weeks back, and, and I just asked them the question, if you were to stand before God at the end of your days, and he would and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven or eternity? What would you say? The response was, well, my good has outweighed my bad. So I said, so the old kind of teeter-totter thing, you know. That's where you're going to go. And, and the person says, that just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't sound that God would do that. Put a bunch of ounces of good on this side and a bunch of ounces or pounds of bad on that side. And, and a hope, you know. What kind of certainty? What kind of God would do that? What kind of God would make it an iffy thing that you'll never know until the end? The Bible says, these things I've written to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Because I want to know on this side that I'm going to have that life with God. I really want to know. And if, if heaven is a perfect place, eternity is a perfect place, we need to be perfect to get in. So I would say this, good girls don't go to heaven. And good boys don't go to heaven. Perfect ones do. Only perfect ones do. And how do you and I become perfect? How? How do we do that? Because if I can only get imperfect, I need somebody to take all that crud that's in my life. And this is the amazing story of God and the amazing story of Jesus. And this is what sets this faith apart from others is that God loved you enough to do something about your wrongs and not say, good luck, sucker, hope you make it, hope you balance this thing out. God says, you can't, I won't let you, I'll take it upon myself. So that's why Jesus entered into time and space and took your sin, all the bad, on himself, all of it was punished. And God the Father punished God the Son on the cross. That's why it's a big deal here. And all of a sudden now God looks at you as being what? Perfect. Perfect. And that's the way it works. But you have to give Jesus the bad. You have to say, I can't do it myself. I need you. And this is where this whole faith comes together and the whole Bible comes together once you trust Jesus to take your wrongs and be punished, you're now perfect. Not good, perfect. Perfect. And perfect people go to heaven. And maybe, maybe today, maybe this morning, um, you feel a little closer to God. And huh, I know all of us, because we're a day older, are a little closer to this thing called eternity. But if you've never made a response to Jesus that is the power to make you perfect. And I don't want anybody to not know that they have that perfection waiting because I want to get to know you in heaven the way, way you're supposed to be known. And I want you to know me the way I'm supposed to be known so that we can have perfect love there. And a second, we're going to pray. And for some of you, maybe it's a prayer of anticipation. Maybe it's a prayer of joy, thanking God that you know for sure your eternity is set. Maybe for some of you it's inviting God to come into your soul, into your heart through Jesus Christ and asking for those imperfections to be removed from you. Would you pray with me, please?